broken and beaten, our heroes are scattered. Lost and alone, their hopes are all tattered. Their home has been conquered, but their fight is not done. They must mount a strong defense while still on the run. Their task will be hard, but still they must try. So sit back and observe. The Beholder's Eye! One, two, one, two, three, four. One-Eyed Kroll is charging directly at you. He's equipped with a pretty big shield. I mean, the dude is 10 feet tall, so his shield is a good four, almost five feet round. Like This thing is half his body size. And in the other hand, he's got what would normally be a long sword for most people, but I mean, it in his hands, it looks like a short sword almost. <laughs> and he comes charging directly at you and attempts to attack you. I'm going to do something before he gets all the way there. Okay. We never established how this poison comes out, is it? It's like a spray. So it would, like cre- would it create like a cloud? Yeah, it does. Like, it's the same like thing as your acid. Okay. Then I would like to shoot the poison at him when he's 10 to 15 feet away. Okay. Giving me enough time to roll to his blind side. As he's charging towards you and you try to get him with your poison he quickly dodges around it um, with a speed that almost shouldn't be possible for someone his size he rolls right up into you uh for 17 yes that'll hit okay not by much but it will it's 11 damage Ouch. good roll uh and now he is standing right over you and he brings his shield up in front of him he's right in front of me or right on top of me he's right in front of you Less than five feet away. Am I down or standing? Oh, I, I mean, unless you had rolled to a down position. I rolled to a crouch position. Okay. Then, yeah, I mean, he hit you, but you're you're able to stand up. I'm going to maintain the crouch. Okay. And he's a fast bitch. <laughs> Which side is his shield on? Uh, his shield is on the left side. Same as his eye? Yep. So his blind side is his sword side. Yes. From the crouch, I am going to spring forward with my hand axe in my right hand. Okay. And my buckler on my left arm. Okay. And I'm going to try to basically axe him in the ankle, hamstringing him. Okay. That will be the attempt, at least. (laughs) Uh, Make me a deck save. Those dice were rolling so much better. I almost wish that was backwards. Uh, the deck save is 19. Plus? 
proficiency, so 22. Well, no, it'd be plus your deck save modifier. It's 27. Score. So you try to sneak past his blind side, you know, on his... Yeah, like a diving His sword roll. side, yeah, and, and hamstring him and... At first, it seems like you're about to make contact, and he pulls his leg out of the way at the last second and tries to stab down into you with his sword. But you are on his blind side, so he he misses you. You're able to get it out of the way. As you're kind of rolling past him and attempting this, he reaches down. He reaches down with one his his shield hand and tries to grab you by the ankle. I need you to make either a dex or strength save it's 26 26 you're able to kick his hand away from your leg but he comes down on top of you like as as you're kicking his hand away he brings the butt of uh his sword into the small of your back for 19 you're gonna kill swifty that's a six so i'm going to disengage with him i'm gonna roll back yeah and put my hand axe in my belt and pull my sling and attempt some range shots. Okay, go ahead. I'm assuming that when they give you the sling at the beginning of the match, they give you some oh, bullets yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it'll be that plus your dex plus your proficiency. 22. That definitely hits him. And then it's 1d6 one D six piercing. Okay. Uh, so roll me a d6. It'd be a d6 plus. I never said where I was aiming on him. I was aiming for the throat. Okay. Ten. Ten. All right. You catch him in the throat. He tries to get his shield up to block, but you uh, you get this projectile in, in between, and uh, it cuts a pretty big gouge into his throat. He starts to bleed pretty good. That works better. Um, and that kind of enrages him uh, and causes him to charge you. And as he does, he, I'm going to say, because you're both the same type of dragonborn, he's going to make a breath weapon attack on you just out of instinct. But if you save, you're going to take no damage. If you don't save, you'll just take half damage. Go ahead and roll a uh, deck save. For the gameplay, I'm not going to try to yeah. stand and face this. <laughs> I'm going to... You're going to try and dodge? Try to block it with my shield, and then basically turn tail and run. Okay. How big is this arena? Um, I mean, it's like 100 feet around. Like, it's a big arena. And that's plus your regular dex? That's just plus your dex safe modifier. 13. So you're going to take 7 damage. And the acid that he hits you with, like, you're, you get out of most of this cloud of, you know, acid that he's spraying out in front of him as he charges you and as you're getting away from it he nicks the back of your ankle with his sword man almost well i guess i don't know if dragonborns have achilles tendons <laughs> i assume they it's do. close yeah but doesn't impair you but does a pretty good amount of damage to the back of your calf but you're able to get you know i can still put weight on it yeah but you're able to evade him enough to get i'm going to continue my range. plan and just try to run Okay. Because how badly is he bleeding from the throat? I mean... Better or worse than my ankle? It, the bleeding is mostly stopped at this point. Like, he bled pretty good from it at first, but it seemed like that was just mostly the surface damage. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, that was... He's still looking pretty healthy. He does not look tired in any way. <laughs> He's hurt me. 
So where are we positioned? Is he still chasing me, or have we? Um, I mean, he's he's coming towards you, but you you've gotten like a good, what like forty feet away from him. I'm going to turn and try my initial attack again with the poison. Okay. So basically, a poison cone straight at him. Okay. Except this time, oh, I'm this going time to wait him. until he's closer, like. 10 feet and in. When he's walking up into you, yeah. Yeah, like right in his face. Okay. But yeah, it's 18, just natural. Snap. Not without his decks. <laughs> he's more strength heavy regardless. But yeah, he easily dodges out of the way of it and closes the distance and slams into you with his shield and tries to push you backwards. You can either do decks or, or a- athletics or acrobatics. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and roll. <laughs> That's huh. not going to do it. That's a 12. Yeah, that's not going to do it. He rolled a 13. Ah, son of a bitch, this guy. Well, that is a nine plus four. So, so yeah, he knocks you back and you fall prone. Swifty is being humbled <laughs> and he does not like it. This and he's infuriating him. He steps over you and he raises his sword up and he says, time to die, little man. I'm going to try to eat his foot. Like, I want to just, like, latch on like okay. a small child okay. and start gnawing on the back of his ankle. Okay, uh, go ahead and make me two attack rolls. Because the first one would be to grapple. Yeah. And the second one to bite on. Yeah. <laughs> Swifty gonna die. That's two twos. Well, maybe not. Roll the nat one. <laughs> um, so you're grabbed onto his ankle, at the very least. <laughs> Uh, but somehow, well, in his, like, trying to get you off, so now he's, like, stuck shaking his foot trying to get you off, and you're not getting a good bite in on him because he's trying to hit you with his sword at the same time, so you're kind of dodging that. Uh, go ahead and make me another attack roll. I'm biting him. 17. Roll, I mean, roll a d6 plus your strength. Yeah, I don't necessarily have a bite attack. Yeah. So five. Although with his personality, he maybe should. Yeah. So you grab onto the, where you're grabbed onto the same leg that you cut earlier, and he cut my leg. Oh yeah, he did. I cut his throat. <laughs> but if I get an option, I would like to take the leg that has the good eye on it. Okay. So he's uh, stomping with his blind leg. Yeah. But you you get a pretty good bite in on him, and it makes him uh, scream out. Roll me another strength. Ooh, this is gonna be close. You said strength? Yeah. 16. Not going to be enough. <laughs> With a 19, because he's got plus four to his strength. With a 19, he basically picks you up with his one leg and just kicks you off uh, and sends you flying like five, ten feet. You know, like flying five feet and then rolling another five. Yeah. And he's now kind of like limping on that leg a little bit. Seems like it's hard for him to fully put weight on it and for the first time he kind of looks like not scared but like maybe not as confident and he looks at you and he says oh you still got some fight left in you little man (laughs) there's a randy savage joke just waiting to pop out of my mouth Uh, (laughs) gonna eat that face (laughs) so i would like to make a two-pronged attack at this point okay i would like to pull my spear with my off hand and my hand axe with my good hand Okay. Now, he doesn't know I'm not ambidextrous. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, how far apart are we? Like 10 feet? Yeah. I'm going to attempt to throw my spear at his lower body. Okay. With the hope that he drops his shield. Okay. And as he drops his shield, I want to throw my hand axe at his face. Okay. Make me a attack with disadvantage and an attack with advantage. 18. A six. 
Okay, so uh, add your dex modifier to both of those, so you're, it would be what? Okay, so yeah, your javelin, or your spear rather, completely misses him, but it does have the intended effect, him dropping his shield down, and your hand axe uh, takes him right in the shoulder. Roll me some damage for that hand axe. The hand axe is 1d6. Plus 5. Yeah. Come on, something shiny. So 8. Uh, yeah, it cuts into his shoulder pretty good and kind of fucks up his shield arm. And now he's he's having a harder time keeping that shield up. But he kind of tries to shrug it off and starts charging at you again. And that your hand axe is just sticking out of his shoulder. Yeah, uh, I'm down to my sling, my shield, and my skinning knife. <laughs> and he is going to try to slam into you. With his shield or with his shoulder? With his body. He's going to try and tackle you, basically. Just, like, come down on top of you. So, 17. Roll me uh, athletics or acrobatics to try and get out of it. <laughs> I have a 7 on athletics, so 15. Uh, well, he rolls 17. Yeah. <laughs> so. Closer than I thought. And while he's got you pinned down... Ooh. That's going to hurt. Oh, no. <laughs> but he bites down into your face. And as he does, he's like, oh, you're going to eat my face? I'm going to eat your face. <laughs> and which part of my face is he biting? Like the head, the top, uh, the muzzle? Kind of your, like, he's his head is a lot bigger than yours. <laughs> almost twice the size. And he's like trying to bite the whole front half of your face off. And he bites you for seven damage. So <laughs> real, real bad on that. I can move my lower muzzle. Yeah. Oh, no. He just like bites you and draws back. Okay. He's not going to chew on you or anything. I would like to poison him in the face because I assume we're still fairly close oh, yeah. and grappled. Yeah. So he's going to make a dex save. It's 13. I don't think that cuts it. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Finally, after the third time, that's 14. So roll me your poison damage, which is, it'll be the same. It's 3d6. Yeah. So roll 3d6. 11. 11. Plus now he's going to take two damage every round. So you spray him in the face with this point as he like rears back from biting you and you just spray a bunch of poison up into his mouth and he starts coughing on it and rolls onto his back and is like having a hard time with it for a minute. Going to make you spicy. <laughs> and you've got an opening on him while he's on his back. Uh, the wound in his throat closed, I assume, but it's still. I mean, it's open. It's just not bleeding. Actively. Yeah. So it's still a target. Yeah. So to speak. I would like to try to take my skinning knife okay. and starting there, throw him. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> like, I want to, like, dive into his neck with my skinning knife. So, yeah, so he's, like, kind of kicking wildly and choking on this this poison in his throat. Is there any addition to that? I mean, it'd be plus your dex. Your, well, your dex and proficiency, so plus eight. Yeah, so 18. I mean, 18 hits? About Just fucking is, barely. About time this freaking fight turned. <laughs> I, I legit thought my character was going to die here. <laughs> You're under half health, aren't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so you get your skinning knife into this neck we, wound. We never did damage for the skinning knife because we never thought we would get... Like, I told you, <laughs> yeah. the only way I'm pulling the skinning knife is if I get screwed in a fight and it's the last <laughs> option I have. And it is. And we got there. So I need you to give me a damage for this skinning knife. <laughs> Uh, actually, no, I'm not going to give you damage because you get this skinning knife uh, into his neck and he immediately starts to make a gargling noise. And as you rip this thing around, you get enough of his skin off of his face to 
give it a one good rip. To face scalp him. And you rip his entire face off. And he's still alive at this point, though. But he is just, like, screaming, screaming. And the announcers up above are just like, Holy shit, ladies and gentlemen, we have a new victor! Because uh, it doesn't seem like... Maybe they don't want you to kill this guy quite yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would like to stand up. And start eating this face. <laughs> As you do, uh, the crowd is just fucking going like, insane. Dead, like eyes locked with they, the cult crawl. They are, uh, they are now chanting, face eater, face eater, face eater. <laughs> And just like, yeah, and people are booing Kroll. And Kroll, you can see, like, he has no eyelids now left over, but he still has eyes, and they're, like, leaking blood as he if they're tears. <laughs> oh, yeah, he still has his one eye. Oh, and you can see that underneath, like, the eye socket was all messed up and everything, too, whenever he lost his eye. But the guards come rushing out and uh, start pull trying to pull this face away from you. And... As they do, are you gonna like fight back against that? You want to finish your face? <laughs> are they? How are they pulling? Are they like? Oh, they're trying to like come at you. They've grabbed your weapons and they've like. So the like, weapons are gone. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'd say you still have your skinning knife in one hand. You're just like. Uh, <laughs> I would like. I will. I would like to let the guards take the remainders of the face. Okay. Hopefully, gaining a moment to take my skinning knife and shove it in Kroll's good eye. Oh shit! <laughs> as as they're like taking the face away from you, and you go to turn, you see that they're pulling. A couple of the guards are like trying to pull Kroll away, and you lunge, uh, and one of the guards hits you with like a billy club and knocks you out. Ah, uh, boo! But you wake up less than a few seconds later, and they've they've got Kroll a good like 15 20 feet away from you they've taken the skidding knife and uh they're kind of picking you up and dragging you back into the cells but everybody is just chanting face eater can face i see Kroll? is there a straight line of sight no they kind of taken you two different directions okay Attention, new agents. This is me, Dr. Byron Brimstone, director of the OMEN. That's the Office for Occult Monitoring, Examination, and Negation. I'm here to give you a short intro into the adventures of the OMEN Investigations team. Join us on a comedy role-playing podcast here to the modern world, where three agents travel the globe to deal with demons, cultists, and conspiracy theories. Follow the exploits of Koala Jackson, an amnesiac Australian with a dark history. Yeah. Annabelle St. John, a gun-sticking girl from the Deep South. Is it a gun cult or is it a pony cult? And Dr. Martin, a disgraced former professor from Sweden. I mean, I am from Sweden. If you like listening to people search for monsters, aliens, entities from beyond the void, and other such hoo-ha, then you should check out Omen Investigations on all good podcast apps. Bibstone out. Dolores, remind me why we're podcasting our top-secret operations again. Right. Podcasting is uh, becoming pretty ubiquitous, and there are a lot of services out there that offer podcast hosting, which is probably the most important part of podcasting, because if you don't have your podcast uh, hosted somewhere, nobody's ever going to hear it. <laughs> and 
we went through a few different podcasting hosts at the beginning of our show, and wow, we had pretty good experiences with all of them. We found that Shortwave is the best fit for our show. Shortwave is a podcast hosting, syndication, analytics, and dynamic content stitching platform built on the belief that professional-level podcasting tools should be available to everyone not just professionals. And as we are sponsored by Shortwave, uh, you can go ahead and go over to their website, www.goshortwave.com, to start your free 14-day trial of hosting on Shortwave, which includes show and episode-level listener analytics, embeddable episode players, unlimited upload and download bandwidth, and two free hours of dynamic content stitching that helps you build your episodes from multiple clips, all in your browser. Again, you can go to www.goshortwave.com for a free 14-day trial of everything that Shortwave has to offer. Shortwave, the platform for adaptive podcasting. Welcome to Queer Dungeoneers. This is an unbearable experience. If someone was listening to this, they would say, this is pure silliness. <laughs> I'm going to turn animal. into a really big cow. Moo. It is Baramos of the Fourth Circle. Free me from this orb! Do you have Baramos in your bag? No. You can tell me if you've got Baramos in your bag. No, I've got rations. You've got Baramos in your bag! No, I don't. Nim, what have you done? Queer Dungeoneers, an actual play podcast about being who you are by being someone different. Get it now! I am great and nothing can hurt me. Hey everybody, it's your DM Andrew. I'm here to tell you about a new sponsor that we have, LibrisArcana.com. They are a dice service that does monthly subscription boxes with dice in them. Every month you subscribe to them and you get a new set of dice. Their dice are amazingly designed and some of the prettiest dice we've seen. We're very lucky to secure a sponsorship with them. So what they'll be doing for us is if you go on Libris Arcana and subscribe to their monthly dice service, uh, you can get 20% off your first month subscription by using the code BEHOLDER at checkout. Once again, get on there, get your first month subscription, and you'll get 20% off with the code BEHOLDER. Put it in at checkout and you'll be good to go. They get you to either side of this arena, and then the arena starts to drop down again. The ground closes up over you, and you guys get back down into the holding area. And when you do, there is a contingency of guards uh, and medical personnel there that come and treat your wounds. And a bunch of them go and run over to Kroll <laughs> and start immediately treating him. And that was the gnarliest fight we've had <laughs> in this game yet, for me at least. And as soon as the medical personnel are done with you, you kind of make your way back into the general populace and you can hear everybody around you whispering and the people closest to you kind of bow down to one knee and it just goes throughout the whole crowd and suddenly you're looking around and everybody, except for the tree, who's just kind of posted up, is just bowing to you now. So I'm going to go towards the tree who I assume, like, he's where I stashed the white dragon's fang. Yeah. And I'm going to pull that fang and start picking pieces of face out of my teeth, <laughs> using it like a toothpick. <laughs> so over the next couple of months, you gain a pretty strong reputation for being one of the, I mean, the best fighter 
in this place. After taking out Kroll, you got the respect of everyone. The crowd loves you. You don't get any perks in this position. It's just everybody just kind of gets out of your way, doesn't mess with you, gives you your own space. And the thugs that used to follow Kroll now call you boss and, and will do anything that you tell them to basically right after they do that i tell them the tree is my number two and they will be taking orders from him (laughs) oh speaking of uh, you still have have you asked the tree his name no okay we are on a silent communication thing (laughs) okay (laughs) he's never talked yeah well he he makes some noises sometimes like he makes like affirmative noises but what it is is it sounds like his leaves rustling together and kind of sounds like a noise. Swifty doesn't speak tree. Yeah. <laughs> His name is Douglas, by the way. Okay. Douglas Fur. <laughs> nice. The tree the tree follows you everywhere. He is very protective of you now and acts as your enforcer. But over these next couple of months, you start to as new fighters come in, you start to get more and more information about the outside world, and it sounds like the church is having some problems keeping a hold on Salandrian. It sounds like there's some sort of resistance out there that is giving the church a pretty hard time and winning some hard-fought battles. And about a week left to go in your fifth month there, you hear rumblings from the newest batch of of fighters that there was a rescue attempt made on the smaller fighting pits, and some of the people were saved, but as the resistance group retreated, they, you know, let the rest of the, the fighters there know that they would be coming back in a couple of weeks to try and free everyone, and it seemed like this first wave of, of, you know, rescue was to get more information on these places and what's happening there. About a week and a half goes by and suddenly the fights stop and there's a good two days where there's no no fights at all. They, the guards barely come down. The only time they come down is to, to feed everyone. And other than that, you know, there's no new recruits that come in or anything like that. Around... One o'clock in the morning, the morning of the third day. The morning of the third day, the third (laughs) week, the fifth month. Of the third month, of the third year, of the third solar cycle. In the new age. Uh, (laughs) There is a loud explosion. And the elevator that is normally raised up in the center of the room, when it raises up, it's just like a solid column of metal. And when they raise it at night, they raise it up to keep us locked in keep you from doing anything suddenly that just slams to the ground with enough force to like knock over everybody that's you know the the shock wave of it knocks over everybody that's within like 10 feet of it and suddenly ropes drop down into the hole and a whole bunch of people all in the same kinds of like not a uniform per se but they've all got um like an armband that matches they've all got like similar aesthetics to them come rappelling down into the the center and they start opening up all the doors and one of them that is down there is a pretty familiar face it's a gnome and it's gerald the guy that made all of your he made your muzzle gerald they take my shit he says find my shit (laughs) 
<laughs> he says, "Oh, Swifty, uh, actually, um, we we have your stuff. Uh, we got yours and pretty much everybody else's stuff here when we raided the uh, the the smaller compound." We raided them a couple of days ago. Seems like they were getting ready for us here, but we, we overpowered them pretty good. Thanks to my hand cannons, as I'm liking to call them. And he, you see that he's holding these two, like, metal contraptions. And they look to be almost like hand crossbows. But I guess the best way to describe them is like hand trebuchets. Like little hand catapults. But they look like they load automatically. And uh, he says, yep, just load these babies up with a few explosive hand bombs, as I'm calling them. And these things do quite the number on the enemy. Do you want to, like, get out of here? We're, we're getting everybody out. <laughs> we must take my tree, friend. Yeah, we'll, we'll help him. Um, do you want, what's his name? Douglas Fur. <laughs> he told me with his rustlings. So... Gerald and the rest of these resistance fighters get everybody out of there and they take you back to their camp, which is about half mile off. And uh, they seem to have carved out a pretty good section outside of town uh, where they are. They have a small base and you can see from this vantage point that you are like less than a mile outside of town. Kind of the, the Slandrian is in this basin and you're just below the woods on the outskirts of town. Um, and you can see that Salandrian still has a bunch of these like eye tentacles running through it. Not nearly as much as the day that everything went to shit. Fucking tentacles, man. <laughs> but they now seem to be kind of like pulsing with energy. And you can see Gerald's got a bunch of like equipment sent up. And one of the things he's got is a telescope. And if you look through it, you can see down into the camp and see that these tentacles have smaller tentacles that come off of them and they appear to be like powering some of the technology that the eye has in the church has installed around the town you can also see that there are regular guard patrols on the far side of town you can see where the military district is and they seem to be ramping up for something you see a few giant 20 foot tall beasts over by the military area that look to have these like flaming sacks under their faces and every now and then they give out a little like puff of smoke or a puff of fire but while you are at this camp you're at this camp for another three four weeks and while you're there is there is there anything you want to try and procure you get all of your gear back so yeah i gear up i make sure the tree is okay and then i track down gerald and I inform him that I need someone to go find me a small bird, like a canary, preferably. Okay. To keep as a pet. He's like, well, that, I mean, that's definitely doable. Do you mind if I ask why? I will name it Chirp and it will be my new little bird person. Okay. I don't see any problem with that. And within a couple of days, he brings you back a small cage with a bright yellow canary, almost a spitting image of Chirp. And as soon as you, he hands it to you, this bird seems to be very, like, friendly towards you. And to the point where if you open up the cage, it just flies up on your shoulder. And when you go back to show it to Douglas, Douglas reaches out one of his branches from, like, his canopy. He's got two main branches that he uses as arms, but, like, he reaches one of those down and the little bird just jumps out into it. And over the next week or so, makes its 
himself a little nest up in, in Douglas's canopy. Douglas, as soon as you guys were freed, started to become more talkative. But the way that he talks is by rubbing his branches together and like making noises that way. So most of his words come out very long and it takes him a while to convey things. But he does speak common so we can talk to each other now. Exactly. Um, but he tells you that he was part of a large grove which seems to be some sort of community in there in with treats and that the church came in and burned pretty much his whole family and uprooted him and brought him to this new world or to this new continent. Yeah, I was going to say new continent or new no, world. No, new new continent. Yeah. Kind of a pertinent <laughs> thing there. But he he tells you some of what he knew of their old land and he tells you that the the church controlled everything, and they ruled it with a pretty iron fist. And uh, the groves were getting smaller and smaller every year because they would come in and harvest them for treat wood, which can be used to channel magic through. Yeah, if you don't mind killing people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the tree reveals that he he's a pretty young tree. He's only about 2,000 years old. But for treats, that's basically a toddler. His mother and father trees were a couple hundred thousand years old. But he says that he wants to someday become a sorcerer because he's always felt a connection to magic. He asks you one day if there's anybody you know that knows magic. Would you tell him about Boris? <laughs> uh, yes, I would tell him about Boris, but I would also inform him not to get his hopes up too high. Because last time I saw Boris, he was buried under a pile of rock. <laughs> and I haven't asked Gerald about any of them. So, speaking like, of which... I, I assumed they died in that attack. <laughs> and I wiped them off. It's just Bird Person was the only one I actually cared about. Okay, okay. Speaking of which, right about three, four days away from the six-month mark of Chirp's death, word comes into camp that... They have been able to save some people from a lab. They've been able to save some people from uh, the, the prisons. And that the resistance, which you now know is the protectorate, has decided to marshal all of their forces under the city because they've been able to carve out a huge base of operations in the catacombs. So the last couple of days are spent packing up camp, getting everything ready to move into these catacombs. When you do get to the catacombs, one of the first things you are given is your, your like birthing area. And you find out that as they're going over the like roster of names of where people are, you hear them list off Lazy, you hear them list off Boris, and you hear them list off Barry. So the first two, pretty nonchalant about. Okay. Like it's kind of like cool, they're back. But Barry, like, all my scales stand on end, and I'm like, I'm going to kill him! That's a wrap, people.